I have uh, a thought that I wanted to talk to you guys about at the end that I can do at the beginning. Sure. And then yeah. we can, Seth can jump into it. So we see various Thors throughout this whole run, obviously. Um, Mary just yelled really loud in the other room, Sheridan, at the curling match. So, who? I mean, out of the ones we've seen here, who do you think is the most powerful Thor? Because... Good question. Like, I mean, obviously at some point it's Jane, but then there's, like, when Odin's son has the, uh, the power of the storm inside of him, there at the ending, like he's, you know, insanely overpowered. And Warthor, like you point out here in a minute, um, is like you're <laughs> like going you to point out like in the future. In the future, we'll point out uh, Warthor is you know on another level also. Yeah. Um. So I think that it's actually old King Thor, like from the oh, future. Yeah, that would because make he's got the Thor force. He's got the Thor force. Yeah. As well as Mjolnir. But yeah. I don't know, like, I, I honestly kind of have trouble gauging their power levels against each other. Yeah. Um, but they're all, like, stupid powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, then, because, the, like, the Mangog is, a, like, I mean, it's it's basically gore without any kind of restraint. Like, it's yeah. just all-out power. Yeah. Um, and... Oh, not to spoil what I wrote, but like, you know, Jane handles it pretty well while it just wiped the floor with Odin and Freya and Thor. Or, well, Odin's son. I don't know. I don't know who's the most powerful. But I want to know because my brain needs to categorize them. <laughs> yeah. I found it very hard to, like, gauge power levels here. Mm-hmm. And this is also, again, not to touch too much on mine, but, like, when they fight like a bunch of Shi'ar mm-hmm. people, that is like kind of all over the map too. Yeah, because Gladiator's in there, right? Yeah, and Gladiator's Glad- one of the most powerful characters in Marvel. Yeah, he shows up and immediately he is just like knocking Asgardians around left and right, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. Yeah, but- I think that just in general, I I don't always find the question of like what hero is the most powerful to be the most interesting question so it's something i <laughs> i think i tend not to think about yeah uh, just because they're like i don't know at some point it stops there are a lot right? of ways to win a fight that don't have anything to do with like sheer power sure very true and so i think that's always kind of a more interesting <laughs> thing for me to think about is just sort of like I mean, even if you're kind of thinking in terms of a, a matchup, right? Like who would outdo the other? Uh, that has to do with a lot of stuff besides sheer power. I don't know. Yeah. Like this is where we get into the argument that like Batman wins any fight if he has time to prepare. Yeah. Valid. I mean, I don't actually agree with that take, but there are people that do. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I might be one of those people. I don't know. If you give Batman <laughs> enough time. like. <laughs> Oh, he just has contingencies. He has a contingency for himself, for if he goes rogue. Like, how, like, what, what alerts the Justice League? Unless, anyway, not important. He knows how to defeat himself. It's really fun. But then he also knows that himself, like, the crazy version of himself will also know that he did that. And right. so he has plans within plans because he's Batman. I love Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> no, but you're right, Sheridan. Mm-hmm. At some point, power levels become, like, just pointless 
right? Like at this level where they're all just literal gods. Right. Yeah. Forces of nature. What does it matter? Yeah. And can like punch each other through planets as they do multiple times in <laughs> multiple these arcs. Times. That's incredible. I do love it though. Like I went back and read Moon Knight after reading this and like the stakes go from like universal cosmic, cosmic yeah. and universal. Yeah. To like, street level and it's like oh man i miss i miss those big power level fights but at the same time you know obviously it has its own charm and appeal yeah it's it's just a very different story mm -hmm. how's that for a cold open Welcome to Amateurs Assemble, a comic book club podcast for you. Whether you're new to comics, a regular at your friendly local comic store, or just looking to talk about your favorite heroes, I'm Sheridan. I'm Seth. I'm Josh, and we've assembled to work through some issues together. Last time, we covered issues one through five of Jason Aaron's 2015 Thor run. This week, we're diving into issues 701 through 706 of The Mighty Thor. Each week, We'll begin. <clears throat> sorry. Each week, we'll begin by providing a little background that you might need to know. Or, <laughs> sorry, Mary's screaming in the other room at the curling match. That's great. Each week, we'll begin by providing a little background that you might need to know, or that will at least enhance your reading. So, Seth, since we're skipping forward a couple of years in the comics, tell us what the hell has been going on. Okay. So I want to start this off by saying you definitely should go back and read through all these other adventures that Jane has as Thor. Agreed. Yes. Also agreed. So just to let you know what all that is, uh, in addition to what we covered last time, which was Thor issues one through five, there is also issues six through eight of that same series, uh, which is collected as Who Wields the Hammer? And then the meat of the run is issues 1 through 23 of The Mighty Thor, which is collected in four volumes. What we're covering today is the fifth volume, where the number switches to 700, because that's what comic books do. Comics. Um, but yeah, gotta, gotta, gotta make it a little confusing every now and then, because, you know, what fun would it be otherwise? Is it because, does it happen because it we have multiple stories like there's different that's a compilation right the volume there what do you mean isn't like, 701 like a comp or no 700 a compilation and then like yeah so we're not 700 is included in this um trade that we're doing but it isn't really the same storyline it sets up a whole bunch of okay. different storylines for the future yeah, essentially with different art that's what was that's why i thought it might have been like a oh compilation yeah it is it is it's almost like an annual because that's, it yeah. is like it's like four or five pages of one artist, and then it switches to another artist. But it's through the like, whole thing. It's telling like a, a yeah cohesive story. So I was like, "Is this?" Hmm. You're like, "What? What is happening?" Yeah. It's got Throg in it, so that means it's automatically excellent. Yeah, amazing. Anytime Throg is brought up, it's just good. That's Frog Thor, by the but, way, listeners. Yeah, I thought you were asking why they switched the numbering, but well, no, I was asking if it's because it's like, is that? If it's not a compilation, then that, that nullifies my question. Because I was thinking, like, maybe they were bringing in 
multiple stories into one and like they used they rolled over a number from another like trade or something i don't know they do roll over the numbers the captain america series that we read did the same thing where it's like it'll start with one like they're starting with a renumbering mm -hmm. but then once it gets so far in it's like they cycle back to an older numbering system so you go from like number 23 to number 700 just, okay yeah so the really cynical answer here is that like <clears throat> big milestone issue numbers are ones that sell better yeah that makes sense right so like a new number one actually usually sells pretty well mm -hmm. but the other ones that sell really well are issue 700 you know issue 500 yeah. or whatever got it so whenever they're coming up on those milestones they will usually like switch back to the Basically, to get the biggest number they can. I don't, I don't think that's cynical. I think that's just the business. Yeah, it is. I mean, it it makes it pretty confusing for collecting sure. because they also don't like, at least that I've seen, they don't ever like multi-number. Where yeah. it's like, like issue number one of this run, issue number yeah. seven hundred one of yeah. the main Thor. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So. Makes sense. Anyways, this has been. Comic talk. <laughs> Comic talk. <laughs> this has been a look behind. I don't know what I'm saying here. This has been the trade deadline. The, yeah. Today was the trade deadline. I know. <clears throat> okay. So, here we are. What we're covering today is 701 to 706. And this whole run was written by Jason Aaron and is filled with the epic and awesome moments that we've come to expect from him writing this book. I'm not going to cover all the details here, both because I don't want to spoil it, you should read it yourself, and also because, frankly, there just isn't enough time to do so. You know, covering 23 issues in 10 minutes. Cover it, you coward. Uh, maybe maybe next time? <laughs> Anyways, go read it. It's a lot of fun. Good stuff. So, diving in to some particulars that we need to know to set up this story we're going to cover. Um, a lot of Jane's time as Thor concerns the War of the Realms, both in her role as Thor and in her other role, which is as Midgard's representative to the Council of Realms. Uh, the Council of Realms is a sort of Congress that they set up to try and prevent conflict between the realms. It's having a pretty rough go of it at the moment. The War of the Realms is a sprawling, multi-year arc that Aaron started even before Jane had lifted the hammer, and it informs a lot of her storyline, even when it's not the front and center conflict. But to be clear, it is front and center quite a bit of the time. Yep. Um, so as an example of how the war infirms... Infirms! As an example of how the war informs other events in the book, a major point of conflict during this run is between Odin and Thor, with Odin obsessed with discovering her secret identity and recovering Mjolnir. But at the same time, Jane Foster is struggling against Odin in his refusal to help the war effort which just kind of adds another layer to the conflict between them. Mm -hmm. So the War of the Realms started when the dark elf wizard Malekith escaped his imprisonment, murdered a whole bunch of his own people, and got himself named king over them. So that's apparently how dark elves do. Yeah. They're, they're pretty weird. Um, from here, Malekith allied with the Frost Giants and helped them record... From here... Malekith allied with the Frost Giants and helped them resurrect Lofi, their fearsome leader. So we saw a bit of this in our last episode where they found Lofi's head. After that point, 
uh, Malekith help them resurrect him. Uh, together, they form a dark council joined by the Queen of Cinders from Muspelheim, uh, Dario Agar and Roxxon Corp, Ulick, King of the Trolls, and our favorite good slash bad guy, Loki, who, as always, we can't quite figure out what side he's on or what his motives are here. Yeah. So, as, as Loki should be written. So, together, this dark council wages war and invades several of the other realms. Uh, during one such invasion, Thor is pulled away from protecting Alfheim with news that Odin is putting Freya on trial for having previously helped Thor. That's early on in the run. Uh, Odin was being a real, real punk, and he sends the destroyer after Thor. Yeah. And, you know, she's kind of battling it, but then she's, she's helped by Freya and Sif and a whole bunch of other Asgardians. So this, of course, pisses Odin off. He puts Freya in jail for a long time, and now he's putting her on trial. Uh, but the trial turns into an all-out rebellion against Odin. Uh, it includes a pretty awesome Thor-Odin fight where she, like, you know, they're, like, punching each other through planets, and she drops, like, a giant meteor on his head. It's, like, the art on it is so great. It's very good. Know. It's so much fun. As they're fighting, though, the rebellion continues on Asgard, and it only fails because Loki literally stabs Freya in the back right after she had vouched for him to be there. Much later on, we learn from Loki that he poisoned his blade precisely, just enough so that Freya would be alive but incapacitated. He was on orders from Malekith to kill Freya, actually, so that Odin would remain on the throne and keep Asgard sidelined in the war. Uh, to his credit, once Odin figures out, sorry, to his credit, once Odin hears what has happened to Freya, he stops fighting with Thor, goes to her side, uses his healing chamber and the Odin force to try and revive her, locked in by her side for months and months. There's also, like, there are a few scenes where the attendant that's there with them is like, we really shouldn't take any more blood from you, Odin. He's just like, take as much of it as you need. The one time that Odin is not really terrible during this yeah. run. I mean, he gets... Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Until the end. Um, until the end. So, with Odin locked away with his wife, that leaves his brother Kull in charge of Asgard, who is just as reticent to involve Asgard with protecting the other realms. And kind of the, the takeaway from all that is Thor is on her own, kind of like... Yeah rushing around all the time with the War of the Realms trying to protect everybody. So the other overarching battle that is happening during this run is Jane in her fight against cancer, and in a way, against the hammer itself. When Jane transforms into Thor, Mjolnir heals her and eliminates anything attacking her body, in this case, including the radiation from her cancer treatments. Mjolnir does not heal the cancer itself, either because it is so much of a part of her now or because there's always a cost to wielding the hammer, we're never quite sure. But we do know the results. Every transformation leaves Jane weaker and her cancer growing stronger. <clears throat> we also learn over these issues that Mjolnir is alive. After several hints early in the story, uh, there's a moment where Mjolnir actually transforms into a likeness of Jane to protect Thor's secret identity. 
that's uh <laughs> thor is pretty freaked out at that moment uh no one knew mjolnir could do that i think mjolnir talks to her and it's like i didn't even know i could do that um <laughs> so they're both a little worried <laughs> uh from there mjolnir transports her to omnipotent city to read a book about her origin to read a book you know read a book so this ends up being kind of a standalone issue. It's uh, issue number 12 of the Mighty Thor called The Untold Origin of Mjolnir. Highly recommended. Um, but to give kind of like an overview, in this one we learn that Odin long, long ago battled a cosmic storm that had existed for, since the creation of the universe called the God Tempest or the Mother of Thunder. After his victory over the cosmic storm, Odin compelled the dwarves of Nidvalir to bind it in a weapon for him, using a bit of Uru that they had previously given him. But in this telling of the story, the weapon was too powerful and with a mind of its own. And that's the reason that Odin put an enchantment on it and left it untouched for millennia. And that's where it stayed for a long time until his, his son was brash enough or bold enough or dumb enough to keep trying to lift the hammer over and over. All three. All three. Just going to say it. All three. Yeah, that's, that's, that sounds right. So from there, we go back to kind of Jane's adventures. And we're going to, this brings us up to the third collection of the Mighty Thor, which is called the Asgard Shi'ar War. For anyone who's not really um, familiar with the Shi'ar, they show up in the X-Men a lot. They're pretty prominent there. Um, they play a big part in the Phoenix saga. The Phoenix Force is actually you know, from that part of the galaxy, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, this is personally my favorite of Jane's run. Uh, it's just really fun to see, like we were talking about with the power levels, like the power levels of the Asgardian, Asgardians compared against the Shi'ars, and it's just so much fun. So many, like, knockdown, yeah. drag-out fights and ridiculousness. So... And also just some of the most powerful characters in Marvel comics. Like, yeah, is, is, I can't remember, is Smasher in there? Because Smasher is insanely powerful. I don't remember seeing Smasher. Smasher's in there. Or, well, Smasher's a Shi'ar guard. And then Gladiator, obviously, is like. Yeah, there's Gladiator and there's five. Kid Gladiator. Kid, oh, okay. I so I didn't read this that part. Okay. I haven't read it because I had Dude. to pay, pay for it and couldn't do it. Okay. But I will. So but I, I need to. It's, it's really good. You should all read it. Um, like I said, it's my favorite of these. So in it, Thor is drawn into a contest of gods that she really has no interest in at all, but she can't escape. I don't really want to get too much into the details of it because it's not important to our run and it's awesome. You should read it. <laughs> uh, but a couple important points to pull from it. Uh, first, here's this is where we get the return of the Odin son, who had been gone traveling among the stars for many months. I think this is covered in a separate book that... Aaron wrote so it's one of two things it's either unworthy Thor because there's he travels around a bunch in that but it also could be just the end of the secret war wrap-up stuff because he's traveling around yeah. with Hyperion during all that I think it's a combo of both of those things because okay. basically like what we covered last time when Jane had just picked up the hammer mm -hmm. he is there and he kind of like yeah. fights with her a little bit shortly after that he disappears and he's gone for yeah well during the conversion stuff Jane is being just doing all the Thor stuff and 
Odinson is literally like in other universes hopping around mm-hmm. with Hyperion, Doctor Strange, and a couple other event like Universal Avengers trying to figure out a, a big old mystery. Gotcha. Um, so. Yeah. So there's all that. And then Unworthy Thor, yeah. which I think is five issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but so this is where he gets pulled back into the Thor universe and, you know, back towards Midgard and Asgard. The other kind of main takeaway that is going to be important for the storyline we're covering is that as the contest of gods draws to a close, uh, the Shi'ar gods call for the ultimate judgment to be sent. But we aren't told what that is for many issues to come. It's just kind of like a cloud hanging over. That explains everything. a whole bunch that I didn't know where that I didn't know where that came from. I was like, well, "This is just random." Yeah. So they it's like an official contest of the gods that's um you know, judged and overlooked by our old friend um is it Shadrach? Is that his name? Yeah, Shadrach. Yeah. That's so he's there. Yeah, it's a lot of fun that he's there and just like judging over it. Um, With a whole new list of things he's the god of yes it's it's (laughs) glorious so oh so a side note i just remembered this another way kind of how i was talking about before how the war of the realms just kind of just like overlays all of this and is feeding into the background we find out at the end of this that loki is the one who actually instigated this contest of gods Hmm. to get thor out of the way um that he, Loki. Yeah, he basically went to the Shi'ar gods and was like taunting them. <laughs> and they're like, Thor, that's no real god. We'll show him what a real god is. So, yeah. And that, like, again, the Asgard Shi'ar War one is super fun. Brings in a lot of Jason Aaron's theme themes that he's been working with, you know, with the gore stuff mm-hmm. all the way back. And just kind of one of his main motifs but done really fun and in a different way. I liked it a lot. I will read it. Okay. Just haven't yet. Yeah, just haven't yet. I have the trade from the library. Can loan it to you. You should we should do that. That's a bad president to loan out library books. Your wife's a librarian. What would she think? <laughs> Why is that a bad precedent? I know where you live. <laughs> oh, that's like Anyways. Uh okay. Um so now we're to the fourth book, volume four, and just want to pull out a few things that we need from that for uh, that's going to play into what we're covering today. So this collection is called The War Thor. Uh, during his travels, the Odin son had discovered Stormbreaker, which is a hammer axe that's a remnant of a destroyed alternate universe, which is actually the... Ultimates universe, yes. if anyone's aware with that. Destroyed during Secret Wars. Right. So during Secret Wars, this is going to get really confusing, so we're not going to go into it too, too much. But basically, Marvel merged in a whole bunch of their other alternate universes and kind of destroyed them, trying to streamline for for their own sakes, for comic book publishing. But storyline-wise, it's like they're destroying all these alternate universes and bringing them over. Yeah, they consolidated a, a bunch of characters. Yeah. Um, brought only a few over to the main 616 yeah so only particularly from this ultimates universe right only a handful of characters and this stormbreaker came over i think it, it might, was just was miles, it just miles, miles and the storm and stormbreaker. okay so it was just miles morales i could and be stormbreaker. wrong but i'm fairly certain that might be it. right yeah because everybody else dies. oh no what uh nick fury right 
Yes. The, that the version ult- of Nuke Fury. For, yeah, because the other one um, is it went rogue. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So we get Ultimate Nick Fury, Miles Morales, and, then and Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. Mm-hmm. So the, the catch about it is, is that Stormbreaker remembers that it was pulled over from this other universe. Mm-hmm. And it carries with it the wrath, pain, and power of that entire murdered universe. It thirsts for vengeance. Uh, the Odin son can sense this and resists it, refuses to use the weapon. But it eventually finds its Thor in Volstag. So prior to this, Volstag is a a member of the Warriors 3, right? Yeah. But he's like the jovial one, kind of the comic relief, the nice guy, always wanting to to eat and just like chill not actually fight one of his powers on wikipedia is uh appetite so nice mm-hmm. <laughs> tells you all you need to know about him <laughs> yeah so he also sits on the council of realms he actually interacts with jane a whole lot takes her to chemo treatments stuff like that um but in his duties there on the council he's visiting nidvalier where there are some like light elf refugees there. And so he's visiting there to help out when Nidvalier is attacked by essentially fire demons. Um, so he's there when he witnesses like just a ton of atrocities and people murdered left and right all around him. And it scars him and changes him. He thirsts for vengeance and that draws him to Stormbreaker. So they find each other, and Volstagg is transformed into the War Thor. Um, and from here, he just, like, that army that was overrunning uh, Nidvalier, he just almost single-handedly wipes them out. He goes he goes up against um, <clears throat> a couple of villains that Thor had previously fought in this run, so the Enchantress and Ulic, King of the Trolls, and he just, like easily handles them he fights the queen of cinders to kind of a standstill he's like with stormbreaker his power is just like on another level yeah um, that makes sense too i mean that's a that's a straight up that's the ultimate universe's mjolnir like that's right full powered full powered plus like the way it's written at least it's like even more powered yeah. up um amplified by vengeance yeah and that like there's some kind of hint that it like has the essence of all of those souls that were destroyed yeah it's kind of something yeah i think it's wild yeah anyways so it's super powerful but super dangerous um so thor shows up because the war thor is kind of on a rampage and just out of control so thor shows up and tries to stop him they battle for quite a while and then it's it takes a while before Thor realizes that it's Volstag as the War Thor. And from this point, her her real only way of stopping the War Thor is to re- try to reach Volstag. So she transforms into Jane Foster to try and reach him, and that is enough for him to kind of realize how far how far he's gone and what he's lost, and he puts down the axe. Um, so right here, Volstag joins just a small handful of people that know Thor's secret identity. Um, I'm pretty sure Heimdall knows at this point, but hasn't told anyone. Yeah. 
Yeah, I uh, think Heimdall knows. I think Heimdall might be the first person to know, actually. He might be. I, I can't remember, but they definitely have some conversations where he's like, why are you still doing this? You're killing yourself. Yeah. And she's like, I, I have to go. So Send Heim- me where I need to go. Heim- yeah, Heimdall knew from the beginning what her intentions were. Yeah. Like he's because he's the one who sends her yes. to the moon to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good old Heimdall. Great character. Good old Heimdall. He is really good. Um, so he knows her identity. Um, Shield agent Roz Solomon, who's actually pretty prominent over Jason Aaron's run. Um, I think he might have invented her as a character. But anyways, she's yeah, pretty I, fun. I couldn't find any reference to her before Jason Aaron stuff because I I did look today. Yeah, so in the going all the way back to like just after the gore stuff, she shows up having like just graduated from Shield Academy. Mm-hmm. So that would make sense. Um anyway, she knows. Um and then the Odinson she tells just before the set of issues that we're we're starting, I believe, and he's pissed. <laughs> um, so Oh, and then everyone's most trustworthy friend knows Sam Wilson. Yeah, good guy Sam. Just everybody. Good guy Sam, just showing up here. And strange, strange knows too. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, Sam had appeared in the comics before. The Doctor Strange stuff must have happened in like a different set of comics where he found out. But yes, it's it's, not... it's the it's uh I think it's Agents of Asgard where Loki, Agent of Asgard, where Loki becomes Sorcerer Supreme. I think it's gotcha. in there somewhere. Gotcha. So, so, but yeah, so that's like, what, about five people that know? Yeah. Her identity. Um, okay. So I think that covers most of everything that we need to know. The last little bit is that just before the issues we're covering today, Volstagg returns to old Asgard, um, which is, it's going to be a little confusing, but there's Asgardia where all the Norse gods currently are. Mm-hmm. And then there's old Asgard, which is basically in ruin. And Stormbreaker just, like, rests there. Yeah, it crashed there when the it crashes happened. There. Yeah, and then it, like, returned there after Volstagg had it. Yeah. So just before the issues we're covering, Volstagg reclaims Stormbreaker and becomes the War Thor once again. Yeah, it's when they're ushering him in, he basically, like, calls it. Um, and, it and it hears him and comes just like, comes, like, yeah. just like Mjolnir does. He's like, ah! So... He's on old Asgard when it is visited by the final judgment, the Mangog. Issue 701, The Wrath of the Mangog. We open in the midst of action. Warthor, or Volsag, battles the Mangog, a powerful and immortal beast manifest by the combined hatred of a dying race driven to extinction by Odin. Um, Seth gave a little bit of an explanation for that, but basically Odin wiped out a race. They got pissed and I didn't give an explanation. Okay. Well, sorry. I haven't said it all what the Mangog was because I ran out of time. That's fine. Yeah. Also great, super long, deep dive. Very good. Good job. Um, The Mangog is essentially the combined manifestation of all the hatred for the gods by a uh, specific race of people. We see, we see a new purple narration box, and our new speaker tells us the Mangog is ferocity, ferocity, ferocity. And our new speaker tells us the Mangog is ferocity personified, a creature with the sole purpose of destroying all the gods of Asgard. 
eliminating the race from the universe. His hatred powered by untold billions. He cannot die, he cannot be stopped, and he cannot be reasoned with. Thank you, Sheridan. The creature is seen stopping Warthor's Mjolnir dead in the air with a punch that sends the dead universe's hammer flying straight back at this new lightning god of war. I don't know you, but you smell like one of them, the Asgardians. You are a god, the creature says as it grabs Warthor by the throat. This is all I need to know. Then it proceeds to punch the god through the ruins of old Asgard, like Seth said earlier. There's a lot of punching through punching stuff in this through series. Punching through planets. It's amazing. Like, he literally punches him from one side of Asgard through buildings and everything to the other. The narrator tells us of the race whose hatred spawned the Mangog. So far out of time and memory that no one save the Allfather himself remembers the race. Yet their hate lives on through this beast. We hear of the many times the Mangog has returned to destroy Asgard and how each resurrection it is defeated only to return even more powerful the next cycle. He is the judgment for those who cannot be judged by man. We jump to Vanheim as the armies of Malekith rage against the Vanir forces, dropping Roxxon's Hulk-like super soldiers and Napalm alike into the battlefield, winning the war for this particular realm. Vanir is conquered. Um, also... Did they ever address, I don't remember seeing it, the super soldiers again? Because they're just like little mini hulks. Yeah, so I didn't cover that in the deep dive because I thought it was going to get too much in the weeds and Uh wasn't super relevant to us. But yeah, there's a whole storyline where Loki helps him create mini hulks from like essentially dragons. Oh. They like drink dragon blood and it like curses them, but they become mini hulks. Neat. Good old Loki. Good old Loki. We jump back to the Mangog and Warthor's battle. The narrator explains how the Mangog knows of the prayers of the faithful, how beings throughout the universe pray day and night for aid from gods that turn a deaf ear to the suffering of the universe they have been charged to protect. Warthor gives the creature one final blast. All the combined lightning of a long-dead universe. I guess it's not really long-dead. It's newly dead. All the combined lightning of a newly dead universe put into a single blast. Uh, When the light dims, we see the creature has absorbed the full weight of the blast and is now swollen with power. Neither of you have watched Dragon Ball Z, but it's very reminiscent of, like... um, some stuff that Dragon Ball Z did in the 90s where, like, a creature just absorbs a whole blast and then turns it around. Turns it back on. Yep. Um... Power that he then turns back on the Thunder God. Uh, The smoke clears and only scorched earth remains to surround Volstag. The creature pounces on him and begins to pummel the God into the ground. So this, like, I feel like this is where the whole previous arc set up how strong the Warthor was and how formidable. Yeah. And so right off the bat, we have the Mangog just like... wiping the floor with him it's yeah i mean it really does a great job of illustrating just how powerful you know this creature is yeah yeah um and i mean we'll see that more and more as it battles different various heroes so we cut to nefelheim a lone boat carries queen carnilla to the land of the dead she is greeted by the long dead as guardian and now king of hell as well as brother of thor balder 
He explains to her that... What did you say? Go ahead. He explains to her that she had died defending the world tree. She falls into his arms, and the long-lost lovers have a warm embrace. Sadly, their tender moment is short-lived as fire demons from Muspelheim rush in to conquer the realm of the dead in the name of their queen, Cinder. We return to the battle between the Mangog and Warthor. The god is now broken and bloody. The beast has no trouble in taking the god's hammer and crushing it in his hands, which is a bummer, just in general, seeing that, um, you know, Stormbreaker's yeah. long history come to an end right here. The beast ha- oops. Um, this illustrates the sheer power the creature now possesses in its current resurrection, in its current reincarnation. With a punch, the beast sends the god sailing off a cliff. Hammer now destroyed, he transforms back into Volstag and narrowly gains purchase on the lip of a cliff, dangling precariously over a sea of darkness and pinpoints of light below. We hear a voice and now see the identity of the narrator. And it's kind of, I like this because it was misleading. You think it's Volstag narrating for 90% of it. And then it pulls an old switcheroo and it's Malekith. Classic. Malekith addresses the beast and informs it where the new home of the gods lies. The creature does not hesitate and launches, (laughs) launches and launches itself into space. The king of the Dark Elves makes his way over to the struggling Volstag and pulls out a knife. The god begs for help, and the elf answers by dropping the dagger into his hand. Um, our issue ends with Volstag floating off into the void, beaten beyond recognition, and the Mangog um, asteroid hopping, asteroid to asteroid, on its way to enact judgment on the gods of Asgardia. I really enjoyed this issue. Uh it felt kind of like hard to write because I was like, this is mostly action, but it was very fun. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of battling. Definitely. In the opening pages of issue 702, Thor's mind is on all the many places where she is currently needed. It seems every realm is in peril and needs her aid, but she can't be everywhere at once. For example, right now, she should be undergoing another round of chemo, but instead, she is in a pool hall arm-wrestling Hercules. Uh, A fun little bit of trivia here. There's a panel where Thor and Hercules are kind of off to the side, and we see several people at the bar. And those people are the writer, Jason Aaron, the penciler, Russell Dodderman, the colorist, Matthew Wilson, uh, Joe Sabino, who's the letterer, and then the associate editor and editor, uh, Saren Brunstad and Will Moss. And also uh, behind the bartender, who is Will Moss, there are these like uh, Polaroids that have names written on them. So you can't really see the Polaroid picture. You just see the name written on it. But the names written on it are other people who have worked on the series at different times. So that's just kind of that's a fun little fun. thing. Uh, so Thor and Hercules are arm wrestling and their wager appears to be that if Hercules wins, Thor will kiss him. And if she wins, he and the other Olympians will fight alongside her in the War of the Realms. Uh, this is apparently not the first time Hercules has made a bet like this because he remarks at one point that it's been too long since he's kissed a Thor. 
Uh, and a minute later, when the Odin son shows up, puts an axe through the table and tells Thor he needs her to come with him. Uh, Hercules points out that she gave him more of a challenge than Odin's son ever did. <laughs> Wink. Uh, we do love a bisexual icon. So uh, that's great. Uh, even though their wrestling match was interrupted, Hercules promises Thor that he at least will fight by her side. And then Odinson whisks her away to Asgardia, where Volstag is barely clinging to life. Odinson asks her if she's ever heard of Mangog. She says she's heard whispers of a creature that even gods fear, but she tells Odinson that they'll face it together when it comes. In the meantime, they have a war to fight. He argues that the only war she should be fighting is the one raging in her body. And he urges her to set aside the hammer, telling her that just because the hammer chose her doesn't mean she has to let it kill her. She says, if that is what it takes to save the realms, I am not afraid to die. And he replies, then don't be afraid to live. He tells her that the world needs more than a Thor. It needs her, Jane Foster. And it seems like he's convinced her as she tosses the hammer away. Uh, but Jane Foster isn't done fighting. She stands before the door to Odin's castle and shouts out to him, calling him a coward and proclaiming that if he won't face the war, then it's time for a new all-father, or better yet, an all-mother. Then she turns to challenge the other Asgardians to defend the realms even if Odin won't. Cole bursts through the crowd and reminds her that he is the current regent of Asgard before threatening to have all of them arrested for sedition. Um, the Asgardians protest, calling out for revolution, and then the doors of the castle burst open and Odin stands in the doorway. He reprimands Cole for failing to be able to deal with a troublesome mortal. Uh, not that Odin has been doing a great job of that so far. Uh, and then Odin turns his attention to the troublesome mortal in question, telling Jane that she and her fellow humans are the most arrogant fleas to ever infest the cosmos, uh, which is ironic because Odin originally sent Thor among them in order to teach him a lesson about humility. Also, multiple times claims to have created humanity. Uh, yeah. Well, you know. Consistency is not exactly one of Odin's <laughs> strong suits. You live so long. How can you like remember everything and keep it consistent? Uh, because Odin is horrible, uh, he also tells her that she isn't fit to be his concubine, let alone his advisor, which is a super creepy thing to tell a woman who dated your son. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, frail though she is, Jane is not intimidated. And suddenly another voice calls out, she's right. Freya has been woken from her sickbed by Jane's words. She says that the gods are the ones who need to prove themselves worthy of Jane. But when she turns to invite Jane to join her at her side, she discovers Jane crumpled to the floor. At the Bifrost, Heimdall declares, so it begins. He laments that even as a god who has witnessed war after war, who has seen the worlds crumble and galaxies burn, he will find it difficult to watch what comes next. And this issue ends as he raises his sword to face Mangog, who has come to send the gods of Asgard to hell. 
Is that the issue that has... Um... One second. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to look. My favorite image from the entire series. Oh, no, I'm thinking of 705. Never mind. We'll get, we'll get there. Is it the one with Jane? This, the cover of this one is... That one. That's my, yeah. my favorite image from the entire so series. Good. You can't see it, Sheridan. As if she's holding the hammer. Yeah, it's the first time she holds it. Oh, it's so good. I cried. Yeah, there's a really similar image. I talked about it in our last episode, I mm -hmm. think. Um, it's in... I think it's in the Who Wields the Hammer mm -hmm. trade. Uh, but that's kind of a similar... Like, she's holding the hammer and you see her as Jane Foster, but also like Thor kind of forming around her. It's really cool. So yeah. Cool. I remember seeing that one. It's really gorgeous. Yeah. Honestly, we don't talk about it enough, but so much of the art in this one is oh, gorgeous. Yeah. When we get, oh, yeah. spoiler, but when we get to flames engulfing everything, mm. like, yeah. Yeah, the way that they draw the flames oh, is so good. Awesome. Oh my gosh, I cried there too. Also, uh, the Rainbow Bridge fight is just gorgeous. Like fighting the Mangog on the Rainbow Bridge is just colors everywhere. Yeah, coming up soon. This is the cover of the one we just so did, good. which I also yeah. love a lot. Oh, it's so good. Anyways, okay, now to stop talking about stuff that the listeners can't see. Unless they're they can look at it. Right. They can look it up. Yeah, they can find it. The issue 702 cover is what we were looking at. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So we start issue 703 and actually jump back a few days. Um, and we start with Jane and Roz having some pizza in Roz's flying car, appreciating the Manhattan skyline. Roz is enjoying the pizza mm -hmm. that she's missed while living in Asgardia. She has been named as Jane's replacement on the Council of Realms. Um, so she's enjoying being back, but Jane isn't really feeling well and she looks really bad. Um, I mean, another aspect of this series that we haven't talked too much about is the way that they draw, draw Jane. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really tough, mm -hmm. but you know, it's there's no really affecting. No yeah. At all. And I, Without getting too spoilery, if that gets turned up, even another notch here in this issue. Mm -hmm. So, Roz and Jane are in her flying car, talking, and Roz is trying to convince her to stop being Thor and focus on beating her cancer. But right at that moment, Jane senses something from Mjolnir and disappears, like right in the middle of their talk. We then see Sam Wilson leaving a voicemail for Jane to get together, to get together, um, confirming they've been dating, maybe just having a fling. They definitely have something going on. I thought it was because he leaves a message talking about how he wants to do some superhero stuff with her, um, but like he doesn't know if that's cool anymore since he's not Captain America anymore. It's like was that just a thing for us, like when I was Cap? Or see, I took it more. I didn't think of it romantic that way. way. Interesting. Maybe I'm wrong. No. Oh, there's definitely uh, maybe it's in the who wields the hammer trade. Um, there's definitely one where like they kiss. Oh, okay. I didn't remember um, them kissing, but there definitely is a point. Or maybe where... it's in a, maybe it's in a different issue altogether. 
I have read an issue where they kiss. I don't remember. I okay, that. that's, that's problem. great. Well, there is. So there's an arc where some shield agents are trying to figure out Thor's identity, mm. and that's that's what leads to Mjolnir like pretending to be Jane. Oh, right. Okay. Sure. Is to throw them off, but they're like, so what do all those voicemails from Captain America mean? And stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, really? He'd be interested in a basically like a sickly human like you is kind of what they sound like. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> they're kind of terrible. No, I didn't know any of that. That's crazy. I'm also like ridiculously naive. So, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm pretty sure they've got, they've got something going on. Nice. Anyways. Yeah. So from Sam. Okay. So after Sam, we're also shown Dr. Strange here who's in a dumpster for some reason. <laughs> Um, and as he hears the crada doom of thunder, he knows that Jane is transformed back into Thor. And he also knows that this is slowly killing her. Uh, and this is where, as Josh mentioned earlier, like Dr. Strange is no longer the Sorcerer Supreme during this run. It's Loki, which they just like randomly tell us in a footnote. Yeah. It's like, uh, okay, guess that. Anyways. Pretty weird, but doesn't Most really affect the footnotes in this series are pretty funny too. <laughs> yeah, like it's like the footnote acknowledges that it's kind of weird that it's Loki. It's like, oh, isn't that crazy? And uh, during the in the third volume, uh, during some of the like X Men related stuff, there's like a funny little note about like how wild the X Men world is too. <laughs> oh yeah, there is a good one. Yeah, because it, it like kind of like broadly touches on the X-Men stuff there a lot. Anyways. Um, anyways, coming back to the present, uh, Jane wakes up and she's back in a hospital on Earth with the Odin son, Doctor Strange, Sam Wilson, and Roz there by her bedside. Roz called in the cavalry after Jane collapsed and they're there basically staging an intervention. Asgardia will be fine without you, we hear them say, just as we transition there with the Mangog going berserk on the Rainbow Bridge. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, Heimdall attacks him and is pretty badass, but then the Mangog blinds Heimdall. What I, so I thought that he bit his head off at first. When I Dude, first it totally it, looked like he bit his head like, off. Oh my gosh, no. Yeah. It, it was bad. It is um, a total Rod Howard, like, Arrested Development moment. It's like, Asgard's fine. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. Um, Cole has the idea to trigger the Bifrost, but the Mangog destroys the Rainbow Bidge before it can be activated. And that is, like, also, like, a really beautiful That's art scene. And it's kind of, like, it's cool because he, like, shatters it, and then the art just, like, shatters into the pieces. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. Uh, Call's instinct is to react in the cruel ways that he knows well. He will seek out what the Mangog loves and kill it in unspeakable ways. Super naive of Cole, too, by the way. Like, just like, oh, I'm going to find what you care about and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill, kill it. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to kill it. The Mangog's response here is so good that I just have to quote the whole thing. Yeah. Love? The only thing like love I've ever known is how I feel when I break a god with my bare hands. Mm -mm. Come, armies of Asgard. The Mangog has much love to give. It's so good. It's so good. It's fantastic. 
So from here, we go back with Jane and her crew, and she allows Doctor Strange to examine her magically, but still refuses any magical cures. Strange goes through the grim diagnosis. Her initial stage one breast cancer has metastasized to stage four, now covering her lymph nodes and liver as well. The more you save the world, the more you are killing yourself, he tells her. And the art here, like like I said, this is where it really turns it up even more. She really looks like she's at death's door, like almost a skeleton. It's it's pretty harrowing, actually, to and tough to read, I thought. It's like they amped up the art the second that she like accepts that she's not going to be thor anymore for a little bit yeah the the gauntness gets even more pronounced yeah yeah as she's hearing the prognosis continue jane just like slowly turns turns her head away Uh, as dr strange is just about to say what one more transformation will do to her jane's face lights up and we see that mjolnir and we see that mjolnir is there the Odin son basically tries to like shoo it away. Come on now, get! He he kind of like I think he punches it once, and then he's just like, "Get out of here!" It's very like Harry and the Hittersons, like throw a rock at it, get it to leave, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't work. And Jane here hears me only tell her that the Mangog has come. Uh, her friends continue to work through ideas to get her away from the hammer. But then Mjolnir just, like, zaps them all with lightning. As Jane approaches to take hold of the hammer, Strange finally gets out his conclusion. Just one more transformation, and Jane Foster will die. That's it. And she's she's mused in the past that at some point she's like, why, why can't I just let Jane Foster die and be Thor all the time? And that's... I mean that's essentially what it would be mm-hmm. at this point, but it would be it it would be killing herself in a in one way. Yeah. So and I think that's why Odin's son points out to her in that previous issue that like the world needs more than just a Thor. It needs her, it needs Jane Foster. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it and it does. So uh, Sam here and the Odin son, they're still trying to figure out a way to get the hammer away from her. But Roz realizes that that's not, that's not really going to solve it. Right. It's just going to come back. So she says it's, it's her life. She's the one that has to choose, you know, if she basically, if she had wanted to transform into Thor there, there's nothing that any of them could have done to stop her. Just as she's about to grab Mjolnir, Jane pulls back. She makes her friends promise that they'll fight on in the War of the Realms and not let their side lose. So this 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 issue had kind of been intercut back and forth between Jane and that group at the hospital and the battle in Asgardia. Those are more just quick glimpses of the Mangod going wild. Uh, at one point, Freya convinces Cole to let her pilot the destroyer against the Mangog. Uh, 
Freya puts up a pretty good fight until the Mangog gets a hold of the Destroyer and bites its head off. Here it does actually bite the head off. Yeah. That's also insane, by the way. The Destroyer has like wrecked shop on literally oh. everybody. Yeah, in the so in the going back to power level stuff, in the Shi'ar Asgard stuff, the Destroyer bringing the Destroyer in is what turns the tide for Asgard. Mm-hmm. And it, like, wipes out Gladiator and a whole bunch of other stuff. So. I mean, it's, so there's a there's a list somewhere out there of, like, top most five powerful most powerful ones. items in Marvel. And it's, it's like, number two or three, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty insane. <laughs> um, throughout his rampage. Rampage? Throughout his rampage. <laughs> throughout his rampage through Asgardia. The Mangog has called out and taunted Odin to come face him. But Odin sits and waits on his throne. Finally, he rises to face his fearsome opponent. And he's joined at the very last moment by his son. Together, they go to approach the ultimate judgment. Question. Um, Is that a different goat or did they heal his original goat no he had two goats he had two okay yeah. tooth nasher and tooth smasher tooth toothache <laughs> gingivitis rotten tooth tooth decay oral b it's tooth nasher is the one that is killed i think okay it is and i i think maybe it is tooth smasher it's something like that it's tooth something tooth something Okay. I didn't think it was Tooth Smasher, but if you guys both think it is. Tooth or dare. Tooth or dare. Tooth or consequences. (laughs) Okay. Oh, shoot. Tooth tooth grinder. Tooth Tooth grinder. grinder. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Issue 704, The Gospel According to Jane. We open on a scene all too familiar. Jane stands Jane stands by her sick mother's bed. The frail woman has lost her battle with cancer and laments not having Jane go to church as she grew up. Her mother tells her that she wished Jane had some faith to fall back on for answers as to why the world would take her mother from her at such a young age. Find a God to believe in, Jane. Find one who's worthy of my beautiful daughter. Her mother could never know how literal her daughter would take these words and that one day not only would she fall in love with a god who was worthy but she would become one herself we jump to the present in a nearly identical scene jane sits in her own hospital bed receiving her own treatment for the cancer that has grown inside of her she explains through narration that she had never found a god to believe in and instead the gods had found her she thinks on how she has no friends or family with her here in this moment no god to draw strength from even still, alone and weakened by illness, her mother's words stir within her as she tells the reader that if this is the story of my death, then know that it won't end without one hell of a fight. We jump to Odin's throne room. Odin's son and Odin himself battle the Mangog in a desperate attempt to save all the gods. The creature takes every axe strike, spear thrust, and lightning-fueled punch seemingly without taking any damage at all while the pair of gods become further and further injured. The two gods rally and make another push to slay the beast. 
Blood-drenched and roaring, festooned with rage, wrathfully enraptured, a holy berserker storm of meat and metal. Oh, what a day to be a god. I love little little things like that throughout this whole series. Yeah. Ah, it's good. We jump to a memory of the past. Dr. Donald Blake explains to a younger Jane Foster that her father had passed. He asked if she has any family to call, and we learn that he was the last of her family left. We jump back to the present, and we see that Jane is no longer alone. Her friends, all heroes, surround her, and she sends them away one by one with instructions to do the heroic work that she no longer can do without killing herself. Back on Asgardia, we see Freya watching the battle. The All-Mother desperately completes an inventory in her mind of all the powerful relics in the vaults of Asgardia that could possibly aid her Aid her husband and sorry, that could possibly aid her husband and son in the battle against the beast. She is unable to complete this task, as she is interrupted by Loki. The new sorcerer supreme has come to aid his mother by using their magic. <laughs> I switched from like, because so in uh, Aidens of Asgard, um, Loki comes out as non-binary, um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to use only like they them pronouns, and right. then I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> like I switch back and forth without seemingly whatever. So I mean, to be fair, switching back and forth is very Loki. That's very so. Loki's thing. Yeah. So the new sorcerer supreme has come to aid their mother by using their magic to send her far away, so far away that they claim it would take a million years for the Mangog to find her. She tells them to never call her mother again after attempting to kill her, and she never should have trusted Loki. After all, in the end. The lies always win with Loki. Loki explains, as Seth pointed out earlier, that if Loki wanted her dead, she'd be dead. Yeah. Basically. Um, he, basically, Loki wanted her, or Malekith wanted her dead, and Loki wanted her sidelined before Malekith was able to send real assassins to eliminate her. The Dark Elf King, knowing that as long as she was around, Asgardia would always be on the brink of joining the war. Because Freya, as all mother, did not F around. Yeah. Freya is a good leader and yeah. cares about the realms and her people. Uh, Odin sucks. Anyway. For many reasons. Just all the reasons, really. He sucks less in this arc than he has in other ones. Fair. But he... Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Odin is very much, like, if he has something to point at to, like, hurt. <laughs> like, he's he's good. <laughs> Otherwise, yes. he starts like looking for the people, looking at the people around him to hurt them. It seems it's perceptive. Hmm. Loki leaves her with the knowledge that Asgardia will fall this day, and that neither she, Odin, or her son could save it. Jumping back to the battle, the Mangog destroys the controls to the flying space city and sets it on a collision course with the sun, ensuring that all the gods and the city itself will die by his hand. We jump to a rainy memory years in the past. A grief-stricken Jane stands in the rain as Thor floats down from the sky. She slaps him and berates him how berates him on how the gods have failed her. The heroes of Earth have failed her. All the people she had faith would protect her family had failed. Her son Jimmy and her ex-husband had been killed in a car accident, and no god or hero had lifted a finger to stop it. In the present... Jane sits with another cancer patient and is asking, I'm sorry, and is asked to pray with them. Jane is reluctant, but asks, 
Who are you praying to, Bonnie? Jumping to the battle, the Mangog holds Odin in one hand, Odin's son in the other, and Freya with its tail. He reproaches them as he beats them. <laughs> Can you hear them? All the poor doom souls calling out for you across the cosmos. Prayers, all those unanswered prayers. The air is thick with them, like flies swarming around a rotting corpse. The gods have been too busy with their own lives to answer the prayers of the cosmos they have been charged to protect. He tells the trio of gods to pray for death themselves and see who answers. Back in the hospital, Roz Solomon is overheard by Jane discussing the disappearance of Asgardia and how the Odin son has stopped responding, which, come on, Roz, like... Yeah, you gotta go outside. Take that call out of the building, right? Yeah. Okay. She begs for S.H.I.E.L.D. to patch her through to one of the Avengers for help. Uh, we see Jane head back into her room with, or head back into her room where Mjolnir waits outside the window. She checks her medical charts, looks at her frail closed fist. I would have beaten you, you cancerous sons of bitches. And the next few panels show us a flash of Doctor Strange informing Jane that if she changes again, she will die. A flash of Odin so beaten, his single eye is swollen closed. A flash of Freya being choked to death by the creature's tail. A flash of Thor screaming in pain. A flash of a frail hand grasping a lightning-filled hammer. The final page shows a stunning view of a fully powered-up Thor facing Mangog, hammer raised, and lightning flashing. This this issue was so good, and I feel like, so good. like gave me such a better grasp of Jane mm-hmm. as a character. Like... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a masterclass in motivation. <laughs> like, you understand everything, everything about her. Like, what what her goals are, what she's striving for, why she's doing what she's doing, why she's protecting the way yeah. she protects. And you, like, you could pick up pieces of that throughout mm-hmm. from other parts of her run, but this just really, really brings it home. It does, and it does it in a way that doesn't feel forced or like, um, I don't know, too much. You know. Yeah. We flash back to months before. Jane Foster stands beside Heimdall on the Bifrost. He chides her for not sleeping, telling her that even gods cannot avoid slumber. But there's a voice in her head calling to her, and she begs him to send her there before she comes to her senses. May the gods be with you, he says, as he sends her out in a burst of rainbow light. Though perhaps you would have been far better off if they never had. Jane appears on the barren moonscape where we first saw Mjolnir in the opening pages of this run. And now we see Jane's face as she lifts it. Her bare head is wrapped in a scarf and a smile brightens her gaunt face as she gazes at the hammer in her hand. Thor's iconic red cloak is already forming around her. It is a full-page, stunning piece of artwork. Yeah, it's beautiful. I legitimately cried. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Yeah, I I have cried more than once in this run. Same. I was about to say, there's Same. a lot. Of, there's a lot of crying in this run. Yep. Yeah. Um, Back in the present day, Thor and Mangog battle in a flurry of lightning and blood spatter. 
While he is temporarily distracted by having a statue melted on him, Thor argues with Odin, Freya, and Odin's son, trying to convince them to evacuate all the Asgardians. Mangog attacks again, observing that while Thor fights for the gods, she isn't one of them. Not really. In fact, he says, he knows that she has hated the gods too. And Thor tells him that he's right. She has hated the gods as much as anyone. But she also knows that the gods have saved them, even when they didn't deserve it. Why would you die for the gods? Mangog demands. And Thor answers, I, I die for love. You die for naught but hate. That is why you lose. And then she hurls him into the sun. Yeah. For a moment, the gods marvel at her victory, but then Mangog bursts forth again. Odin's son joins her in the fight. Mangog rages, telling Thor that no gods in all the heavens or hells can kill him. And Thor tells him, finally, that she believes him. But she wields another weapon, chains forged by the dwarves to bind Fenris. And so she binds him in them and then wraps them around Mjolnir. In the end, she says, it was not a god. It was a mortal named Jane, a woman who gave up everything in order to stop you. Remember that. Then she commands Mjolnir to fly true like the mighty storm it is, and she sends it with Mangog chained to it back into the sun. Odinson is furious because in killing Mjolnir, she has also killed herself. She pulls her masked helm from her head, even as it begins to fade away. I know not what to say, he tells her. Say goodbye, she says. And they kiss amid the flames. The Asgardians Jane has saved watch from the surface of the moon. Odinson lands among them and falls to his knees, the lifeless body of Jane Foster cradled in his arms. Teared up that time too, damn. Yeah. Yeah, that like, I don't know what to say. Say goodbye. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the art there too is just so... Oh beautiful they're like standing in the sun mm -hmm. helmet yeah. off just like healthy yeah it's also the the i think the only time yes. that we get to see jane foster as thor without her mask on yeah i think you're right yeah no blacked out eyes or anything yeah and so the first time that we've uh, seen her face not ravaged by cancer yeah too other than in the flashbacks yeah I guess. yeah right. besides that i'm i'm sure he was talking about this episode this issue but like uh jason aaron wrote a little afterward in the trade paperback for this one and he's like i was bawling as i was writing it like yeah i was crying as i read it so <laughs> yep yeah okay so we have one issue left Issue 706, Jane Foster lies dead on the moon. 
as the gods wonder that a sickly mortal could have saved them like that. We then see a healthy Jane, uh, shrouded in white, walking through a white mist, approaching a giant circular door, the gates of Valhalla. This Jane is approached and berated by Odin. Uh, one version of him, at least. So part of him is still on the moon with the other gods. Yeah. But there's a version here to welcome. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. To welcome heroes to Valhalla. Uh, as Odin blusters, a sudden change comes over him as he notes how she faced down the Mangog and saved everyone that he loved. She died a glorious death and has more than earned her place in Valhalla, he says as the doors open. Jane sees that it's beautiful inside, and yet she hesitates. She wasn't ready to die. Back on the moon, the gods notice the cosmic storm, the god Tempest the Mother Storm, unleashed when Mjolnir was destroyed. The storm is angry, and so is the Odin sun. He calls down the storm onto himself to channel it into Jane's body. She can't be dead. She was the mighty Thor. She has thunder in her veins, he shouts. Back at the gates of Valhalla, Odin tries to convince Jane to go in, but still she hesitates. Suddenly, Jane is convulsing as the Odin son is trying to bring her back. Again and again he tries, but it's not working. And the power of the mother storm coursing through him is too much. It melts away his Uru arm that was forged. Um, just to give you an idea of the power. Freya pleads with him to stop. And then Odin approaches and confirms that he cannot control the storm. No one god ever could. But luckily for Lady Jane, there's more than one of us. Odin says as he joins his son. Back at the gates of Valhalla, Jane still hesitates, sure that she has more to contribute in life. Finally, Odin and the Odin son can channel enough power into her, and Jane takes in all of the Mother Storm. Jane awakens just as the Mother Storm ends, and as it's written, what was once a furious storm is now nothing more than a gentle breeze. So, Jane lives. Yay! Yay! This is a resurrection side note that I definitely don't mind. Because, yeah. you know, one, it's comics. It's probably bound to happen eventually. Two, I feel like her death is still, like, really meaningful. Yes. So. Yeah. And her resurrection is meaningful as well. Like. Yes. You think about the last uh, issues that we covered, that one through five. So toward the end of that, Odinson shows up and is furious at her. Right. And it's like, uh, how dare this woman uh, take my hammer like that belongs to me. And so now for him to be here and saying uh, she can't be dead. She's Thor. Uh, yeah. She has thunder in her veins is just so good. It's so good. I literally cried while you were <laughs> telling this. Stuff. Like, uh, uh, it's yeah. It's it's really good. And it, it's what I like about it is that like if it had ended up with her just like walking off into Valhalla and then that's it, it would have been a perfect ending. But yeah. you still get it either way it's a perfect ending. There's no there's no screwing it up. It's so mm. I've, yeah, that's like the easy perfect ending 
because yes. because bringing her up back is actually tricky, right? Yeah. It it can cheapen it. It can make it seem less. Yeah. And yet, he does it in such a great way that it's it's not. With just a few pages left here, uh, we jump forward a few days and see Jane with the Odin Sun walking around old Asgard as the gods work to restore, restore it. Uh, we learn that Jane's cancer has returned with her, but it now has her full attention, and her friends are ensuring she makes it to all her treatments on time. Thor and Jane then talk about Mjolnir, with the Odin Sun convinced that he will now forever be the unworthy with the hammer gone. The age of Thor has ended, he says. The age of Thor will outlast the stars, Jane responds. She hands the Odin son a tiny shard of Uru, a piece of Mjolnir that she found on the moon, and presumably all that remains of the hammer. The Odin son can barely lift this metal pebble, which further convinces him he's still unworthy. But Jane won't have any of it. There must always be a Thor, she says what she said when she first lifted the hammer, and which is still true. The Odin son must be Thor once again. He then calls for dwarves so that they can forge a new hammer with this bit of Uru. Thor says that he's missed flying, and as the issue ends, Jane says to herself that she'll miss that too, even if the skies aren't going anywhere and neither is she. And so we end the time of Jane Foster's The Mighty Thor, but not the end of her time as a hero. Yes. That's right. And you know, you were talking about, like, if it had ended with her dying and entering Valhalla, mm -hmm. that could have been a perfect ending. But I actually think it's even more moving that now she has this very human battle to face, right? Yeah. Uh, we were kind of talking earlier about the how cosmic the Thor stuff is. It's this grand scale, right? And then you have also Marvel heroes that are fighting at street level. Mm -hmm. That can feel like two really different battles. And so I think I love that it kind of ends with this very human, very personal battle for Jane that like even though she's been Thor, even though she's defeated Mangog, she still has to defeat cancer. And she's going to have to do that as a mortal mm -hmm. uh, because she's refusing magical treatments. Uh, and I think it kind of just ties in nicely, too, to what she tells Mangog when she's bound him, right? That, like, it, it wasn't a god who defeated him. It yeah. was a mortal. It was a woman named Jane. It's definitely what what makes her run so compelling. Yeah, I think is that she's she has the trappings of the god, but like still, yeah, still faces all of those human uh, problems and issues. Yeah. Also, screw anybody who was like, "Oh, this is just a woke move. It's not for storytelling." Screw those people, because this is a fantastic story. None of those people read it. Yeah. Yeah. Dummies. I mean, I will say there is sort of a theme throughout, right? That, like, the women in the story know what's actually going on. Yeah. <laughs> and the men are. Yeah. 
pretty frequently clueless. in the wrong. Uh, even you know Agent Solomon uh, in the room being the one person to say, actually, it's Jane's choice. Yeah, yeah. Instead of like uh, trying to figure out a way to stop her. Right. <laughs> Whereas all the men in the room are kind of telling her what to do, and Roz says, "Yeah, picking up the hammer one more time might kill her." And that's a choice she gets to make. You don't yeah. get to make it for her. And Freya, of course, who is uh, the brains of Asgard royalty. This story and from, I haven't read it, but from what I understand from uh, Agent of Asgard, Loki really round out Freya as like, like a fully fleshed out character from like just kind of a two-dimensional it's Thor's yeah. mom. Yeah, she's awesome here. I really like, Josh, what you said before about how, like, the Mangog is basically gore without any of the subtlety, mm-hmm. kind of. And it does, like, thematically, it definitely ties into, I mean, what's what he's Jason Aaron did on Thor throughout his run. Like, it's just, it's like the thing that he's most interested in is this idea of, the gods and are they worthy and not even worthy in the the sense of the hammer but like what kind of what are they bringing to the table yeah so yeah i thought about that a lot when when i was reading this that uh cuz i had read this first and then i hadn't read his uh god butcher stuff until we were reading it together uh, but reading this, having read the God Butcher stuff, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed seeing how, even though this is quite a while after that began, yeah, he's still uh, threading these similar themes throughout it. And uh, it can be, I think, really easy for comic runs to feel kind of isolated. Um, but I really appreciate the way that he... Uh, continues to work with similar themes throughout the entire run, even as the storyline changes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's years since the gore stuff even ended mm-hmm. that this happened. It's probably like four years, something like that. Yeah, because there's so, been there's been full original sin, Secret Wars, Avengers yeah. World run, which is like yeah, like four years worth of stuff between then and now. Yeah, I mean. And so to bring that back, it is, like, it's really satisfying and interesting. And in, like, it's also not, like, a, a total retread either, right? No. It's, like, done in a different way. Well, and, and having Jane there, like, yeah, really, what, yeah. That's what I was going to say, is Jane kind of is Unlocks, the, yeah. Yeah, and well, she is the person that, like, Gore was fighting for. Um, and what the Mangog mm-hmm. is saying, the kind of person that should be mad. And she is mad. Like, honestly, she is mad at the gods. But, like, she also like transcends that in a way not even the way she just does right because that anger isn't the thing that fuels her Mm. right right Uh, it's actually her love for people that fuels her yeah so good um you guys have any other deep thoughts takeaways I really like Thors. Just all the Thors, I like them. Yeah, this the stuff that we've read is the first 
the first time I've read Thor and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, it's really good. I also did enjoy, uh, it had kind of a Eowyn and the Witch King <laughs> moment. Mm, yeah. uh, whenever she uh, tells him, because uh, he's saying no god, like there are no gods right. anywhere no gods can who can kill me. I am no and god. And she's like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's not going to be a god who kills you. It's going to be immortal. Like, uh, there's just shades of uh, no man am I. Mm -hmm. That's good. I didn't pick up on that. Loophole. What uh? Do you guys know what series follows this one? I was I've been trying to find it on my my Kindle here, and there's like, I just don't know. I know the Valkyrie stuff follows for Jane, um, that kicked up in 2019, um, but I don't know what Thor stuff. What Thor run is next? I have absolutely no idea. Unworthy Thor? Oh, no, War of the Realms. It's War of the Realms. What am I thinking? Oh yeah, yeah. So they finally do bring War of the Realms to the head. That also impresses me. He had that going, like, had to have been at least five years. Yeah. Just kind of, like, simmering in the background. Okay, so the next run, it looks like, after this one ends, because this one ended in 2015, it looks like the next big run was in 2018, 2017, 2018, with God of Thunder Reborn. Okay. If anybody's curious. That would make sense with... The Odin Sun reclaiming the, mm -hmm. the Thor mantle. Also, I think to this day he still has the metal arm. I don't think that ever changed. They must reforge it then, right? Because it it's definitely melted off. Yeah, it's golden now, currently. Gotcha. And then later on, I think it's what, black or silver? Well, it was black in this run. Silver in the future, I think. Because it silver looks like it's part future. of the destroyer armor. Yeah, we see it at some point in um, with Old King Thor. Old King Thor. Yeah. Oh, I had one other thought. One other thought. So there is also included in this trade paperback, but we're not covering it as an issue, is like one other. It's like a an annual almost. It doesn't like really follow along in the same story because it's just setting up a bunch of future stuff. But we get some time with the future goddesses of thunder, and they come back in time to meet jane foster because they're like so in awe of her yeah um which is i thought was really great it's so good as they should be yeah as it should be yeah and they make fun of their grandfather quite a bit like throughout the whole little run oh yeah it's great as they also should <laughs> we also get to see a primordial uh like star brand a primordial um like riding a mammoth um ghost rider like, you get some of those, like, really ancient Marvel forces, like, back in, like, caveman times, essentially. Oh, okay. When they're, like, hopping around because they don't yeah, get the time just time right. Traveling. Yeah, because they get it wrong. And they there's a ghost rider. Yeah, because they're, like, they're, like, thousands and thousands of years in the future. Yeah, they're millions of years in the future. Millions of years? Because they're at the end of time. Years. Yeah. Yeah, and they're trying to hop back and hit, like, a specific, like... <laughs> yeah you know 10 year period or whatever yeah. on earth i really hope side note i really hope Starbrand is someone that that they bring into the marvel cinematic universe it's a very interesting character um also i think we've talked about this before but reading this i am just excited all over again <laughs> <laughs> to see what taika Waititi does with it right yeah I think there are, he is someone I 
trust with this story. I think he's proven that he has a, a really deft hand at telling stories that are both a lot of fun and really funny, but also really moving. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I think this definitely, it seems like a, he'll be such a good fit for it. So. Yeah, you're right. I can't think of it like... I can't think of anyone else who's done MCU movies I would trust nearly as much with this type of story. Okay, well, that'll do it for us this time. Join us next time as we read Moon Knight from the Dead, issues one through six. You can find us on Instagram at amateursassemblepod, on Twitter at theassemblepod, and you can send in questions and comments to amateursassemblepod at gmail.com. And you definitely should. Uh, send us a question. We'll cover it in our open. Yeah, definitely. I said this last time. I'll say it this time, too. You will get on the show if you send us a question. <laughs> so do it, please. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, you can check out our catalog at blackmistradio.com, as well as on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, iTunes, that kind of thing. We're also on Stitcher, anywhere you really you know, aggregate your podcasts. You can find other shows like Mobs Who Wine on BlackMaceRadio.com and a couple other just fun little things we've done. So give it a look. You guys have anything else you want to say? Amateurs disperse. Next time we won't cry. Probably. Hopefully. Probably. <laughs> I make no promises. Right. <laughs> <laughs>